Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Thank Vanessa, Michael Jacob and Sasha. Just thank them. Do a bit better, everybody, for the fam. That was so good. I love the hearts of our church. So many amazing people are here and increasingly so. Thank you everybody for journeying with us and thank you for journeying and letting God journey you. Not every Christian lets God journey them into what He really wants. A lot of people stop at the door before they enter or in, right? But can I tell you, God wants you to journey with Him and journey with us in caring for the children in Rwanda. Because listen, when you do, here's what happens, right? When you do what God wants you to do, it's the, I think it's the three F's. God fills you with um, freedom, fulfilment, and faith. But it's amazing how many Christians run away from all three. <laughs> freedom, fulfilment, and faith. God fills you with faith for the future. But you watch how many Christians who back up, getting near freedom, getting near fulfilment, getting near faith, pull up. Listen, everybody, we need to push forward because God wants to bless you. He wants to free you. He wants to take you to a level of fulfilment. All of this that's happened to me in leading here is those three things. Freedom, fulfilment and faith. And faith for our future as a family and future for our church. Don't back up everybody, walk through. Husbands and wives, help each other, walk through. Help your husband, help your children, help your wife. Let's walk through into God's purpose. But I thank God for you, everybody. Thank God for our church and thank, for your, thank you for your faith and your ongoing generosity. Just give yourselves a hand, amen, come on. <clears throat> also, I want to thank uh, um, Perez and Co, who are out doing all the candles out in the foyer as well. And uh, we heard that 25% is going to Compassion. Gee. So Perez and your staff, which is uh, Peter and Janine, thank you so much. And why don't you get some uh, beautiful candles out in the foyer. And I'm sure Perez's uh, staff will be there to help you as well. And, uh, but um, yeah, I've got one put away. Janine, don't sell my candle. That's for Sue. Sue, I'm getting you a candle, babe. <laughs> Salt caramel. Don't worry. It's coming. Everybody online, two of you online this morning, we welcome you to church as well. So glad to have you here today. And uh, thank God for any of our church around the world who are tuning in. And you are sponsoring, we've got uh, some of our campuses around the world also sponsoring Germany, getting really on board now. And, uh, and Mo- Compassion, listen to this, in Montreal, Canada, where Spencer's about to move to, have rung us. The church has been going for six, seven years there. And they've rung as he's moving there to say, hey, we'd love to catch up with you guys. <laughs> Just out of the blue. And we said, hey, we'd like to catch up with you too. Anyway, so, so uh, our compassion journey will start there. Um, everybody, the Bible says in James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You know, uh, it's kind of like, sometimes it's like we're, an odd church because we're so focused in a way for the children and for people in, in need. And it's kind of like a bit odd sometimes. Listen, everybody, it's not odd. We're actually being biblical. And I hope we can help encourage other churches to be actually biblical. And as I said, when I checked into the Old Testament, it's about 200 times where the Word of God touches on poverty, the poor, the refugee. And then the Scripture says in James, New Testament, everybody, James 1.27. Basically, that Scripture is saying, if you can put up again, pure and genuine Christianity in the sight of God 
pure and genuine, genuine Christianity, genuine in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. So here we have the, the Scripture, yet the church many times is focused on everything but that. We focus on our events, we love our conferences, I like them too. But God says all of that is not important. They're little add-ons. But in fact, genuine Christianity is not the event, not the conference, not the home group, not how we dress, not the building, not, it's looking after orphans and widows in their distress. We need to help model that at Global Heart Church because in actual fact, what we're modelling is the Word of God and we're actually modelling our Father's heart. In 1994, the world looked away from Rwanda when Rwanda had the most terrible evil visited upon it, which had been planned for a long time and came against one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful people group I've ever had anything to do with, which is the Tutsi people of Rwanda. We today have a chance not to look away. And Justin, who you saw before, who Sue and I sponsored when he was six, very malnourished little boy, as was his family who survived the genocide. Um, And to see Justin today, what a miracle. What an incredible thing. He's turning 28 this month. And um, yeah. And to think that he could have died, you know, due to uh, the poverty of not being sponsored. It was very touch and go. His health was really, really bad. And so we don't want to look away now. We want to go, Lord, you took us to that nation. And, what, and I, for me, it's a, a huge privilege and a huge honour to serve the nation of Rwanda because I know that Rwanda has God's heart. And now the nation is rising from the ashes. It's incredible how uh, I just salute their president, President Kagame, incredible man, who now is helping leading that nation from the ashes of genocide, which is only 28 years ago. 28 years ago, it's just like that. Yet a million people, 70% of the Tutsi population was cruelly slaughtered in the rainy season. And, uh, and then God, years later, taps on me and Sue, we return to Australia, plant a church in London, return to Australia, and we just go to the back table of compassion. And I just went, oh, let's sponsor a child, Sue. Picked up that uh, sponsorship, just as you have on your seat right now where you're sitting. As we picked it up and I walked away and I went, oh, wow, he's from Rwanda. Okay, well, that's, wow, nice. Not even really knowing what I was doing or talking about. Never knowing that one fact that God put Justin into in my hand. And uh, Sue and I, not only would we be serving Justin, but I believe we'd be serving his nation. God knew it. I had no clue. Took me a while. Work with me, God. Takes a while, but I get there in the end. (laughs) But, and then today, you guys don't know, but just a number of years, a year or two ago, just before the pandemic, uh, a guy who oversees a denomination of 120,000 people asked me to come and speak to the youth and young adult leaders about youth and young adult ministry. And I had no time, I had a very busy trip, and I just said, I don't do youth and young adults, but Justin has worked with my son in our church when he lived with us in Australia. So I said, Justin, you'd love to do that, wouldn't you? And he said, no. (laughs) And I said, you'd love to do that, wouldn't you, Just? He said, maybe. (laughs) So anyway, we came back and Justin actually spoke to their young adult leaders. And so when he spoke for two, he was supposed to speak for an hour and a half, it went for three hours. I sat there and listened to him in Rwandan. He kept saying to me, I need to do English. I said, no, speak to people in your own language. Anyway, but he was sitting there and everybody was just listening to him. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm raising a leader for the nation here. And, uh, and I knew that it really all had nothing to do with me, but it's actually about positioning him. 
And, uh, and so he was funny too. When they first asked me to come and I said, no, I said, you're coming. I said, and if I come, I might hold your Bible for you. So when we were walking into the building at the last minute before he spoke, he actually passed me his Bible. I said, what are you doing? He said, I thought you were gonna carry it for me. I said, you cheeky guy. So anyway, so he spoke. Everybody, we are doing something great. Rwanda is filled with incredible young people who need, as Sasha just said, a hand up. Justin, I gave a hand up, but he's a great leader in his own right. And I'm blessed with how he sows into our lives and our church. And, uh, and even that video there, I had nothing to do with it. He speaks now his self. He, he's, he's in his flow. You know, um, the enemy came to destroy the Tutsi people. And he did, a, he did a good job of a lot of so terrible evil destruction. But everybody, can I encourage you, Global Heart Church, let's not turn away. Let's not turn away. Your life is significant. What you do with your money is significant. Most people don't think about their lives beyond lunchtime. I find so many people, I say, what are you gonna do? What's happening in your life? What's your kingdom purpose? People are not thinking beyond what I'm gonna do this week. Everybody, you need to see yourself at 85 right now. Plan for that. Think about your job, your study, your finances. How can I make it work for 85? How can I do this so that I can have a significant impact that helps other people? And I can say this because I came from poverty. I ended up in the worst Bronx suburb in Sydney. So I can, t- I can talk about it. I like people with credibility. I'm not any people who talk and then where's your credibility? Okay, but that's where I came from. We were broke and we were suffering. And then now, as I said, okay, Lord, help me to position myself in your house with your people. And by the way, you wanna be a healthy Christian, you cannot be a healthy functioning person. You're still dysfunctional if you can't be committed to the house of God. There's still dysfunction there. And that orphan spirit runs riot throughout Australia, I'll tell you right now. So many people are not well in our country because they have the orphan spirit. What does God do? If you, when the orphan spirit's gone, you can stay. You can stabilise. Stability releases ability. My ability got released in Jesus when I stabilised in the house of God. And I stopped wondering. Some people, even as I'm talking right now, some of you are somewhere else. And it's not because you're just having a daydreaming moment. It's because that's how you live your life. You're all over the place. All lost. Listen, God stabilises you. And then you get focused. And so I'm focused today. I'm focused on God. I'm focused on His purpose. Focused when I'm hopefully with my family. Focused when I'm talking to you. I'm trying to get focused because that's what God does. He focuses you so that your life is not wasted. Your gifts and talents are not wasted. I was a victim, but I'm not a victim any longer. I'm a victor. Victims don't all like me now. Victims love other victims. Anyway, this is a story for another day. Taking you all down a little side tangent there. But if you've become, if you're a victim and you became a victor, you are not popular with the victim club. But I'm not going back there, everybody. Because too many people I need to help now get out of there. So Rwanda suffered so much. But I want to just tell you this now. There's no people group on the planet. And if you're a Tootsie here today, hear this. There's no people group on the planet that the world needs to hear from more than the Tootsie people. We need to hear from you and we need to learn from you. I've been to lots of countries, met lots of people and there's been no one like Tutsi people to teach me the most important things in life. I honour the Tutsi people of Rwanda and, uh, and the world doesn't know how incredible you are, but I do. I do. You've changed my life. You changed my thinking. 
you're, you're gracious, you're dignified, you're humble, you're smart. Did I say good looking? You're good looking. All the Rwandis, they're so good looking. You're so insightful on what's really important. You're so insightful on what's really important. When I sit down to dinner with people in Rwanda, every dinner I leave, I like, what? Wow. Every dinner. And I told the last service, once I sat with Justin and his young brother, and the young brother, real quiet, dignified, and then I was like, how do you forgive these people? Most people said to me, but Pastor Ed, you're a pastor. I said, yeah, forget that. How do you forgive these people? Because I want to know. When you've lost your family in a terrible, cruel way, how do you do it? Now listen, not everybody is doing it easily. Everybody struggles to forgive. Everybody human does. And they have more reason than anybody else on the planet for me to not forgive. But so many of them are trying and attempting and wanting to or have. And then when I sat there, I never forget Justin's brother said to me, Pastor Ed, every breath we have, we take for our family who's not here. Every heartbeat we have is for those who are not here. And he said, he pointed at some salt. I'll never remember, never forget. He said to me, see that salt there, Pastor Ed? Justin and I won't allow unforgiveness the size of that piece of salt. He said, they took our family from us, but they'll take nothing else. We won't give that to them. We will not allow them to have our heart and to have unforgiveness. I was like, can you lay hands on me? <laughs> These two kids in Rwanda laying hands on me. Can you pray for me? I'm like, oh my gosh, how incredible is that? And these are the very people that the world needs to hear from. Rwanda, we need to hear from you. Thank you for teaching me. Yeah. Proverbs 31 says, Speak up, global heart, for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute and crushed to speak up for them. We have to speak up for the children. Nobody's speaking up for the children around the world. You don't hardly see them. Yet there are millions of children in extreme poverty. Let's speak up for them. It's not just Rwanda, they're, they're everywhere. But God has focused our church to Rwanda. Deuteronomy 10, God, the God of the Old Testament. For the Lord your God is the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality nor does He take bribes. <laughs> he executes justice, however, for the orphan and the widow and shows His love for the stranger, the resident alien, the foreigner, by giving him food and clothing. Therefore, Global Heart Church, show your love for the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. What does that mean? The Bible says you are strangers. It's, it's really saying you are strangers to God. You are far off. Many of us were not Christians, not raised in Christian homes. Some of us were. And some of us were raised in Christian homes and we didn't become Christians till later in life. But we were strangers and the Bible says, and we were in the land of Egypt. Egypt represents the world in the Old Testament. We were strangers in the world. And then God brought us in and said, now I met you, family. You're my son, you're my daughter. Welcome, welcome home to me, says the Lord. And then He says that, Aliens, resident, uh, resident aliens, foreigners. So many governments of the world are all caught up with refugees and are they a good refugee? Should we let that refugee in? Listen, don't let terrorists in in any nation. Anybody who's come to bring terror to a country, make sure they don't get in. But for people who are in need and suffering and economically suffering, do you know the Bible in the Old Testament actually nails it and says in the Scripture, you are to treat 
the refugee as if they're your own people. God nailed it for all time. It's nailed in the Scripture, over and done. He said, if you're a refugee in need and you come to Australia, you come to Perth, in actual fact, God says, receive them as one of your own. People who've got wrong intent, not them, but anybody else, receive them as your own. Wow. And then in Leviticus, God instructed His people, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field to its very border, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Who's the stranger? The refugee, the person in need. So right there, God instructed His people, us, and He says, leave margin at the border that is not yours. That harvest is not to be given for you. That is for others. So God is saying to every Christian, make sure you've got a margin there, big margin that you don't touch, that in fact is for the orphan, the widow, the poor, the needy. That is not for you, you're to give it to them. And there's actually ongoing instruction about how the land every three years, um, debt repayment. God was actually basically all the time reminding His people, give people economic relief, give them economic relief. And then I love it when you get to this, to understanding history and the Scripture, uh, Peter Vanderhorst in his book, Studies in Ancient Judaism and Early Christianity said, in Gre- Greco-Roman culture, people didn't give to the poor, <laughs> they gave to the rich. The rich gave to the rich in case you became not rich so that one day the rich should make you rich again. So it's kind of like, a, hey, we help each other out at the top level of life, but the poor we're not given to. And then He says, and in the middle of all of that, in steps Jesus. Jesus steps into history. Don't give me this nonsense about Jesus' impact on the world, not being anything great, not being credible. There was no human rights till He got here. People talk about oh, my human rights. There was none till Jesus came. None till He got here. And then Jesus says, I stand with the orphan and the widow. They're like, what are you talking about? No one stood with a woman. Women had a low standing. And Jesus goes, well, I stand with the orphan and not even a married woman. I stand with a widow who's lost her husband. That's who I stand with. It was radical. It was shocking. No one was doing that. You look, you look through history, find out everybody doing all this nice stuff for the poor. It didn't happen till our Saviour appeared and said, that's who I stand for. They were like, what? <laughs> they were trying to set Jesus up to lead a political revolution. He was leading a revolution, all right. It was of grace. It was of love. It was of care. It was of meeting people's needs. That was the revolution He was leading. And God has called us to do the same, everybody. Jesus was saying, I stand with those at the bottom of the economic ladder. If you're at the bottom of the economic ladder, plan not to stay there. Come on, plan not to stay there. But I discovered if you do God's will, He'll pay the bill. You do God's will, He'll pay the bill. You build His house. This is what a lot of Christians ever get. You build God's house, you build your house. Sue and I held hands and we said, well, Lord, I hope your Bible works. We weren't from Christian backgrounds. Parents weren't Christians. Hope, you, hope church works. <laughs> Lord, we hold hands, we commit it to You. Lord, we're gonna apply what Your Bible says. God has taken well care of us, everybody. He's done very well, thank You. Thank You, Lord. He's done a good job. But in the middle of it, He said, put me first. Put me first and serve who I've called You to serve. Serve the children. 
And today, we're very blessed. I think we had 1,260 children, by the way, everybody, but children have graduated off the program. And so that means you've got room now to add another child back in. So as they graduate and move on for different reasons, they may be in an economic position, age-wise now to move off the program, there's space for us to sponsor another child. Can I encourage you? Bring somebody else into the family. Listen to this. I'll just finish with this story and try and keep it together. But when Justin, uh, as he started to get older, and I'd been to Rwanda numerous times by now, and... uh, I saw Justin one day, he was watching us playing tennis, right? Got a tennis racket and I played a bit of tennis in the hotel. And I said, Justin, you want to play tennis? He goes, yeah. So he had a game of tennis. When it was his birthday, Sue and I bought rackets for him and I went back and we, I gave him his tennis rackets for his birthday, right? So when I went to this same hotel a number of times, Justin came and played tennis in the hotel with me. And you know, there's various business people, African business people and Asian business people, and, you know, Western business people. But there's not too many young people playing tennis, right, on the tennis court. Anyway, so I am now playing just tennis with Just, right? And when we go, you know, just get a couple of games in when I go on that trip. And uh, I've probably been in that hotel three times playing tennis with him. And then I was getting going to the car with Just and I, had to go to some meetings. And I said to him, he's probably, I think he's 17, I think by then, maybe a bit older. Anyway, I said, he's 28 now. So I said, just, hey, you need to go in the taxi and uh, I'll just come out and say goodbye to you. You get in the cab and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, go and get ready for the meetings I've got tonight. Anyway, so he was going back to his uh, sister who lives in Kigali. So anyway, so as we're walking down, this security guard in his early 20s dressed in black, he's got a machine gun, right? He's got a machine gun. He's like looking at me like quite severe. And then as I say, just take in the taxi, this guy starts walking to me with a machine gun, very unhappy looking. And then Justin's like, whoa, what's he doing? I said, don't worry, mate, it's good. He said, you go, you need to go, and I gotta go too. And he's like, Dad, I need to stay, what's happening? And I said, no, you can just go. So anyway, when Justin got in the car and went off, I said to this guy, he's standing next to me with a machine gun, all in black. I'd say he's 21. And I said to him, are you all right? What, what's the matter? And he said to me, is he your son? And I went, I said, oh, um, I said, why do you ask that? He said, I've seen you before. You've been here a couple of times, haven't you? I said, yeah, I think three maybe. And he says, I've seen you. You play tennis when you come with him. And he goes, and then I saw you were, you talked to him and you're having some food with him, right? I said, yeah. I said, he's, I've got three Australian sons, I said to him, but Justin's, uh, he's quickly becoming my fourth son. And the guy goes to me, my parents are dead. Can I be your son too? I'm like, I'm thinking he's going to arrest me for something. (laughs) And now he's saying, can I be your son too? Because he's seen Justin eating with me in tennis over three trips. So I was so taken back. And I'm like, what am I going to say? This guy's taken real courage and he's left his position in the hotel to come and say that to me. So I'm like, be really careful what you're going to say. And I said, "Uh, you can't be my son at the moment, but you can be my friend. And I said, what about when I come back next time if we try and work it so you get time off at work and maybe Justin and I can get you to come play tennis with us. How would that be? He said, that would be great. So I said, well, let's try and do that. And I got his name and, you know, so I said, when I come back. Anyway, listen to this. So that night, Justin comes back. I'm sitting having a meeting. I think it could have been Compassion Guys, I think. So I'm sitting in there and Justin comes around the corner. He's all worried what happened to me. Like as if had I done something wrong and now I'm out in trouble. 
because this guy's with a machine gun and come to me and Justin comes to me and he's like trying to, you know, like he's usually really polite, but he's like, are you all right? Is everything okay, Dad? I said, I'll just see you in a minute, 10 minutes. So I just finished with the guys and I came over and he said to me, are you okay? That guy came over, he looked like he was gonna like arrest you, something. And I told Justin the story and I said, and I said Justin he said to me, can I be his dad too? And Justin said to me, Dad, what did you say? Listen to this, everybody. Justin's response. Oh. I said to him, no. I said, uh, you can be my friend for sure. And I said, yeah. and I said, he said to me, were you my fourth son? And I said, and I said to Justin, I said, you're, you're slowly becoming that for sure. And Justin just was like, he, didn't, he wasn't, you know, like, yay. He was like, took it deeply. And then he said, Dad, what he said, can he be your son? What do you, I, he said, he said, you said that. And I said, yeah, I said, you be my friend. And we'll try and play tennis when we come back. And then Justin was quiet for five minutes. And I'm thinking, what would an Australian say? And I'm thinking, I wonder what Justin would say. And then I said to Justin, what do you think? And Justin said to me, Dad, I feel very sorry for him. That he will never have this experience. I feel very sorry for him. I was like, what would Aussies do? Dad, tell him to get lost. I think a lot of us would, right? When I was a kid, I would have, teenager. And then Justin says to me, I feel really sorry for him, Dad, that he won't have this experience. Everybody, there's a whole lot of children who need the experience of sponsorship. Compassion only sponsors one child per family. It's one child per family. Not every child in Rwanda is gonna be sponsored and it's by the family. It's gonna be one at a time per family. You can't give everybody that experience and I can't give everybody the experience of me being their dad, but you can give a child the experience of knowing that somebody loves them on the other side of the world. Somebody cares, somebody cares, somebody cares, somebody cares. Let me just remind everybody, when you letter write everybody, listen, the kids have small lives, particularly if they're in rural area. If they're in a rural area, they have a small life. Don't be worried about what they write to you. Don't be worried about that. It's what you write to them that can change their world. What you grow in your garden, they wanna hear the things in your life and then just tell them, I love you, I'm praying for you. It will change that child's world. Sometimes we're like, what am I gonna say? And we're not on the same page. Listen, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's never has been. It's about the children. So how can we help them? And if they're in a small area, in a rural life, and they've got a, a tough life, just you telling them the small things of your life and letting them in, they'll be so blessed. And when you say, I love you and I'm praying for you, it will change their world. Just fill your letter with that. It'll change the world. Everybody, you can't rescue every child, but you can be the person who rescues a very special child that maybe is on your seat right now in Jesus' Name. When Justin turned to me and said, Dad, I'm so sorry for him that he will never have this experience. There was absolute sincerity coming from him. And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, this is so important what we do, whatever we do. You may not get to play tennis, but it doesn't matter. That's not the goal. The fact is Justin knew over those years when they were in a very bad place that Sue and I cared for him in Australia. I've got two little children here. Shalom has been waiting 
210 days. Look how beautiful that little girl is. So she's been waiting 210 days for a sponsor and your sponsorship is gonna allow her to go to school and have an opportunity that she might never have had. And also here's a great little guy. I think it's Mugisha, I think. So I think it's Mugisha. So anyway, but he's been waiting 310 days for a sponsor. Everybody, if you would like to sponsor them, Goddard, my incredible assistant, who was in fact sponsored himself. Goddard just has been around talking at different churches and seen 30, up to 30 children just get sponsored. Thank you, Goddard, for what you've been doing, mate, for the kingdom and for the children yourself. So if you would like to sponsor one of those, come down and see Goddard. He's got that cool shirt on that I never got. And, uh, but doesn't matter, I got this one. Be jealous, bro. Can we stand up, everybody? Can we stand up? Let me just pray for you. Let me just sing. Wow, Lord. <laughs> Father, just have your way in everybody's heart and life today. Father, I just pray, Lord, help us to do our part, Lord. Father, I pray for everybody on the African continent, Lord, who's come here too. Help us not to forget Africa, Lord. Father, I pray this, they prosper and they do well in Australia. Pray, Father, they'll take every opportunity. But Lord, help all of, all of our African family as well as everybody else, Lord, not to forget the continent. But Lord, that everybody would play our part together, Father, increasingly. And thank You, Lord, that You focus us on the beautiful, beautiful people of Rwanda. Lord, I just pray too, Father, let the children who we sponsor today, let their lives be transformed by the Gospel and by the love of people in Global Heart Church. We pray it now in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Come on, team. Come on, team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.